This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. What a time to be alive as a Bravo fan. Truly. Like, is anybody else kind of overwhelmed, but in a good way? We have the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Miami, Beverly Hills, and Potomac on. We have Southern Charm and Southern Hospitality and Married to Medicine. We have the second season of The Traders in full swing, which is absolutely perfect television that you need to be watching on Peacock. And then we have Vanderpump Rules coming at the end of the month and Summer House on deck in February. To quote Lisa Bar Legend, I love that. And speaking of Vanderpump Rules... I'm hosting a watch party for the premiere in New York City on Tuesday, January 30th. So come watch with me. Don't watch the next day on Peacock. Come watch it live with me in New York. The event is at 310 Bowery, which is where my friend and co-host Megan threw watch parties for last season's finale and reunion episodes. They totally sold out. They were super fun. It's right in the East Village and tickets cover a free drink and three raffle tickets to enter into giveaways for prizes like Santa to Daryl merch, Ariana's cocktail book, Vanderpump Rosé, and some other stuff. We'll have a step and repeat. It's going to be fun. We're serving pumptinis and goat cheese balls. And it's, I just think it's always so fun to get together with fellow Bravaholics, whether it's like BravoCon or a watch party like this or other events. Like, even if you don't even have somebody to come with, I guarantee you'll be in absolute heaven and you'll make fast friends with everybody else there. Because when we all get together, like, we speak the same language and create this safe space to talk all things Bravo without any judgment totally welcome to talk all the things and it's just it's the best hobby you can have so i'll drop the links to get tickets in the show notes of this episode but you can also find them on my instagram and link in bio all the things but please come watch with me it's going to be super fun and if we get a good turnout we will keep doing this throughout the year because again i love the idea of bringing us all together irl to watch our favorite shows two other quick notes i also guest co-hosted on two different bravo related podcasts this week i'm on today's episode of the comments by celebs podcast talking all things bravo with my friend isabel as well as the new episode of the real moms of bravo podcast with my friend abby so go check those out as well anyway to help me dissect the first three episodes of the traders the latest on beverly hills and salt lake i invited on ryan bailey who co-hosts the uber popular daily pop culture podcast i don't know how he does it it is called so bad it's good with ryan bailey he's one of my favorite people to converse with in this bravo adjacent world that we are part of and he always just brings like some new hilarious perspective to the issues at hand and he's just one of my favorites so you guys will definitely enjoy this episode today keep listening for my lengthy chat with ryan but please also make sure to drop us a five-star rating or a positive review we're almost at 100 ratings and i've loved seeing all the kind words you guys have given to the still new podcast in the reviews so i'd love if you could help me out and contribute to us continuing to build gabby with gib enjoy today's episode and have a great weekend I want to gab. Okay, so today we're gabbing with Ryan Bailey, the host and creator of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, an incredible daily pop culture podcast that tackles everything from Bravo to the latest hit streaming shows to Taylor Swift and beyond. I've been lucky enough to be on it a couple times. I'm so excited to have Ryan on Gabbing with Gib today. Ryan, you're one of the best in the biz. How's it going? What up, Gabber Nation? What do we call the people? Like, is it at the Gab? We're working we on it. Get, we have to. We it, do. Like, yeah, Gabber right. Nation or Gib. I, I was trying it's, to it's think. It's in of there. What the it, name it's close. It, we're close. It's, that feels. It's that feels so very close. close. <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, everybody that listens to this knows that Gibson is the best. Like he truly uh. is. It's one of those things that you have a conversation with Gibson and uh, it, it travels down from his social media to his conversation. And you are one of those people that I've always looked up to in the uh, industry. And I will always take notes on on how to interview or you're so concise with your thoughts in the written word as well. And mm -hmm. I even just subscribed to your sub stack last month and I've been blown away. It's been so great. Sorry uh, to kiss your best. butt at the top. No, it's, no, it's that's, cut all of this listen, out. Cut all of this out. Let's go for an hour. I'm good. <laughs> no, that's really nice of you. And Ryan, the last time we were together in person was at a P.F. Chang's on the Las Vegas Strip. The last day of BravoCon. <laughs> the, the magic of a P.F. Chang's. Uh, you, me, Dylan Hafer, and Sarah Galley just having some noodles. 
I said that was the perfect way to end BravoCon for me, though. It was like this kind of nice uh, rehash of the weekend, the crazy weekend events, and totally that it was agree. nice to not have Bravo celebrities around us and just kind of recap the weekend. That was actually one of my favorite moments. No, I, we we let our guard down at that dinner. I think we were just <laughs> like, all right. We're good. We're hiding out in the back, in the, literally the back table at this restaurant. Um, yeah. So that was last time we saw each other. You know, I feel like since then, you know, the, the year ended with like all of these shows airing and premiering around BravoCon. And then we took a break at the holidays for like a couple weeks. But then I feel like this year has just been like roaring back. It's like I'm kind of back to the like I'm tiptoeing into the overwhelmed territory again with all of our shows. How are you feeling with that with the start of the year? I'm exhausted. Like, I feel yeah. like it is. it has been nonstop. And that's the best problem to have. Yeah. But it's also one of those things that you get really prideful. Like, I have nothing to do with Bravo, but I'm so prideful of it. Like, I love that it is part of the national conversation. I love that Salt Lake City had the season that it did. Same. Southern Charm was one of the most really such an amazing reunion part one to watch. There are so, so like gems, even like the success of the, the traders on Peacock. Like, it, you know, we got the ratings said it was 75% up than last year's rating. Wow. And that stuff makes me so proud, but it is one of those things that you're like, um, uh, the personal life completely taking a hit, uh, <laughs> watching narrative storytelling is taking a hit. Like we're supposedly in Oscar season. So it's weird. It, it, it can be a full-time job watching Bravo itself right now. I know. I know. And then keeping up with all the announcements and the trailers. And I mean, we got the summer house trailer. We just got that. We, we were talking oh, before yeah. we started the Valley trailer, which is the <laughs> Vanderpump rules spinoff, which clearly was intended to feature more of the couples with the OGs, I believe who had purchased houses and moved to the Valley. Now it's just kind of like the Jackson, Brittany and Kristen show, which I'm not sure. I'm not sure we needed that. How are you, where are you landing on the Valley? I'm, we're obviously all going to give it a chance to some degree, but where are you landing on it right now? Well, see, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Now, okay. the thing, you know, the thing with second screen technology where Bravo, you know, it kind of depends on us, the audience. Yeah. And it's one of those things you have to get past that first wave of negativity. Like, so online, like, oh my God, what is this? Oh, over my dead body, I'll be watching this. And I'm like, no, we'll all be watching this. It's all going to come down to relationships and story. And that trailer did not give us any of that. It didn't give any actual footage they filmed. Right. It was kind of a joke thing of Jack's driving a, you know, a kid's car around the valley, uh, looking like a serial killer and, you know, <laughs> waving adult to try. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is it? Somebody around like, he's 44 years old. He's all right. He should have given, he should be on his he third has a child. Adult. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, so like, listen, if the show is good, if those relationships are solid, we're all going to keep tuning in, but the trailer doesn't give us any hint of that. I think we sometimes have to step away from the immediately crapping on something before we see it because we've been wrong as an audience so many times. Just take Salt Lake City, for example. Totally. We all went into this season thinking, myself included, thinking this is going to be trash. There's no way this is going to be good. And it turned out to be their most solid season of the four seasons. Yeah, no, you're so right. And I think- I agree. I want to see the actual footage and we're going to give it a chance. We're going to give it a chance. But for me, it's just sort of like having Jax as an anchor of a show is not necessarily the most appealing idea, but you know, I, I like day. I like Kristen's energy and I, and I do like Brittany. Kristen has really kind of uh, done a really nice 180 in terms yes. of the fandom appreciating her. I think she's realized certain mistakes she's made and she's been like a fascinating puzzle piece in terms of how to approach Scandaval as well, having dated Scandaval. But the thing with Jax is, and what I always question is, you know, is it worth potentially ruining your your great family that you're so proud of to be on television again? Because which Jax are we going to get? Jax always does this thing where he's like, well, I'm playing a character. I was mm -hmm. the bad guy. And it's like, no, man, that was you. But you, you just don't want to admit it's you. So are we going to get character Jax? Are we going to get real Jax? Whether we like it or not, it seems like they are hinging the show on Jax. And that's totally. a big thing to put on his shoulders. And you already can see that obviously it's going to be in the spring. So it's going to be on one of the tail end of the Vanderpump mm -hmm. Rules episodes where they'll have a connector scene like they did with so Beverly true. Hills. You know, with Sheena being that connector from Brandy. And now we're going to probably have either Sandoval or Sheena being that connector with Jax, where you'll see the end of Vanderpump Rules, and then it'll, like, Jax will drive over into the valley, and we're in episode of the valley. So true. I, you know what I hope it is? I hope it's a play date with all the kids, and we sort of, we follow Sheena to the play date, and then we leave with Jax and Brittany. That's what I hope, and we drive back. <laughs> yes. that, that'd be yeah. fun. Yeah.
Totally. That, that's it. Or they, and then they're just trying to knock on Stasi's door, but she won't answer. <laughs> and she will they're not. Like, Please she's, come out, Stasi. Yeah. She's in Italy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my. Yeah. I, I did. I, so I watched House of Villains and Jax was on that very briefly. And I, you could tell that he was trying to, you know, play the cleaned up image. And I think that he wants to be that. I just don't know if that's genuinely what he'll maybe ever be. I think that, that maybe that is compelling TV. But I listened to him on, um, Heidi and Spencer from the Hills have a podcast and he was just on it. Yeah. And it's, he, he kind of was saying the same things that you just said of like, this is the business I'm in. It's not great for my relationship for my family. He even said like they opened that bar and he was like, nobody, no married man who's ever had a bar. Their marriages have never lasted. But, and then he's like, well, I just started a bar. And I'm like, dude, like he can't even get in his own way, you know, out of his own way, you know? Well, I, I like that also this is the business I'm in. I love that there's a potential, you know, because reality shows are still fairly new as a format over the yeah. last three decades, is that this is a family business now for other people. <laughs> like, you know, like Jax's son, like we, we raised you to be in the family business, son. Like it is going to be interesting. That's my overall question all the time is where do all these reality show stars go? Like we have totally. to take care of. 40 new Bachelor, Bachelorette contestants every year. We have to worry about past Vanderpump Rules cast members. We have to worry about housewives trying to get back on their franchises. And that becomes like a whole cottage industry itself of people complain about reality television, but then why does everybody want to come back? It becomes exactly. their full-time job. And that's the part that I find, like somebody needs to make a documentary on this someday because I feel like reality television does something to these people's minds where it completely shifts them from real people to wanting to chase this pseudo celebrity in a sense. Yeah. Pseudo celebrity. And it's sort of like, I guess, yeah, the show is a central vehicle. They can clearly maintain careers outside of it, but it's not that it doesn't have the heft anymore. And so they're, they're, it's this oh, constant yeah, game of getting back yeah. on. Yeah. It's, it's almost like there should be a show about people trying to get back on their shows as well. It's like, it's, Oh my whole, God. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, it would be. And, some people have amazing, like, you know, Tamara, very successful at getting back on her show, being yep. able to use that interim. You can tell, Te you know, Freddie or Teddy Mellencamp is, <laughs> you know, I call her Freddie. Sorry. Try, you know, like you can tell, <laughs> even though she says she doesn't want it, you can tell she oh wants it. Oh my God, it. she's frothing you know, at the mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is they try to play it cool. Even the ones that try to play it cool, there seems to be this quiet desperation with it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Gibson, this is where we have to worry. They all then spill over into podcasting. Podcasting is becoming like a Bravo in itself. It's the audition. If, yeah, exactly. It's the yeah, audition level. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So one place for them to go are these kind of increasing number of spinoff mashup reality shows where we have contestants from all these different shows coming together. The Traders we mentioned is the second season just came out. The first three episodes. It's kind of all I can think about right now. I know that Salt Lake is having like its moment, but those first three episodes of the traders just felt so perfect. And, you know, we, we knew the cast was like epic and had all these legends on it, but you never know until you see if it's really going to kind of live up to that potential, but it is living up to that potential so far. Is it, is it the same for you? Is it sort of like, yeah, top of mind? it's such a, it's such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know, they did such a great job with the, the casting in this is so dead on with contestants from the bachelor survivor, uh, all of our Bravo shows, you know, somebody from Big like brother. Our, our parliament for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. So what? Just that way. <laughs> But then Alan Cumming also commits so hard as a host. He commits and it works. And then the challenge, like it's it's kind of a blend of so many great shows. And like you could also point to House of Villains, but House of Villains also has like kind of like a, a tabloid gloss to it. Yes. And there's like a, a cheesiness to it. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but the traders takes itself so seriously and it should. And you have these... You know, what I like about Ultimate Girls Trip, you get to see these characters from a different light. You almost get to appreciate Larza from a different light. Oh, 100%. Of, yeah. Aven avenging Marcus Jordan's death and she comes to life. <laughs> and, all you know, the Phaedra of it all. You you get to appreciate these great characters in a different light. But yeah. And the, the frustrating thing is that Peacock really learned from last season where they dumped it all at once, kind of. Mm -hmm. And now they did the first three episodes, give you a little taste. And now they are going to have one episode per week up until wow. March. And that to me, I was like, wow. Cause you, I've really been thinking about it all week. I know. And it's, it's going to be this, it's going to be kind of an insatiable ap appetite for it. You know, they're going to, but I think it's going to build, it's going to make the finale of this show that much more epic. And I think that what's cool about it is that 
this season in particular has like they literally have led the the single legends from survivor from big brother from the challenge some real housewives legends like they're kind of the giants in each of their fandoms so there's something for either, all these fandoms they're all going to watch because they all want to see what parvati from survivor is doing they all want to see what janelle from big brother is doing they all want we all want to see what tamra and whoever are doing so it's sort of like it's it's feeding all of us and it's kind of exposing all of these new characters to people, which is really exciting. And I am like so proud of our Bravo ladies for how they're doing. So they're, they're holding it down. I mean, MJ's, MJ's killing it. MJ's being a like a great detective so far. Larsa is kind of steering the faithful ship in a lot of ways. Tamra's like questioning that guy's asthma, which was hilarious. And then spoiler alert, but Phaedra is an incredible pick for a traitor. You know, we had to have a housewife and she is this... She's, I, I bet you like kind of in that situation, she's incredibly hard to read because her delivery is so unique. She kind of injects everything with a little, a little bit of like the Southern Belle humor. She's kind of a hard person to question, you know? And it's really interesting with Larsa also because you sort of mentioned this, but you know, on Miami, she's having this season where she fucked up big time by sharing Gertie's breast cancer diagnosis, even though she asked her not to. And she hasn't apologized apologize in sort of a real way for it. But then, so she's having this sort of like downwards slope on Miami, but then on the traders, it's going the opposite direction for her. She is having yeah. this sort of redemption arc at the same time. And it's because she's really compelling on this show, like really genuinely. And it's just a really interesting kind of thing to have both these shows on involving her, but completely different kind of takeaways around yeah, her. These shows give these shows give these people a second life. And I think yes. that's why they're really important. If they're done well. And that's why I like, I think the traders right out of the gate has been a hit. And I'm so excited that people are loving it as much because I think that's just a boon to everybody involved. And then it gets the audience excited about like, I've been thinking all week about who you would cast on further seasons of the totally. traders. It's fun. It feeds itself. I was even thinking like, oh my God, I would love to see like Meredith Marks. I would love to see Meredith because Meredith Marks is another one that's like always clocking everything. Will I never said the same thing. Defeat. She puts her lawyer and hat on and we love it. Oh, you know, oh man, these reunions, you cannot pin Meredith down. She's like, that's not what I said, Andy. That's not what I said at all. This is what I exactly. And I love that about Meredith, but it's this common thread of like really successful housewives. They will never admit defeat. They will yeah. never admit they're wrong. And it becomes, you know, legal in a sense. Yeah. And, and the thing on the traders is that like everybody, every single episode is usually wrong. They're all reading <laughs> into these like little signs that mean nothing, but they think they mean something. And it's kind of every round table. It's like, well, you smiled when I said X, Y, Z, and it means nothing. It just means- Trishel like, got in so much trouble oh my for God, that about peppermint. taking a moment with yeah. peppermint and, 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 you know, like taking this moment. And that's the thing is that you, you know, it almost benefits you to be quiet, to hold mm -hmm. back and not throw yourself out there. And I do wonder if some of those people, the faithfuls, if they, like, I wonder if Tamara gets in, insecure on these shows of like, am I a good enough detective? Like they're all trying to out detective each other. And I wonder if there is this kind of insecurity as a reality show person there when you be. get in a group of other people of like, damn, that person's really popping. Really popping. And also, as I said, they're all sort of like legends in their own spaces, but you know, Tamara's not necessarily watching Big Brother or, you know, Parvati's not necessarily a housewives person. So it's like these people are giants in their spaces and they expect to walk into a, a you know a room and have people be like, oh, my God, that is Sheree Whitfield. And like, meanwhile, like none of them know who she is. It's a kind of like a humbling thing in some respects for some of them. You know what I mean? Because they can all By the way, go is, toe -toe. is Sheree OK? She, Sheree is not talking at We've all. We've heard nothing much. from her I'm except like... when peppermint got banished she was like i am so i am not happy right now <laughs> i was like i was like sheree's here i didn't even know sheree right. was here. she's getting like, no confessional she usually gives great confessional i'm surprised about that no and also a bravo but if you if you put a bravo fan on that show with this cast members we would immediately be like guys look at phaedra it's obvious like phaedra totally. is the, like we know their ins and outs and i find that interesting and one of the strengths of it is that they don't know the I bravo celebrity of it all I know. The last thing I'll say about the traders is like, I was kind of upset that Marcus got murdered so early because I, I was excited to like see less him and Larsa, but it's more him like kind of operating on his own. Cause you can't really play the traders as like a couple. I don't think like, I think that you they kind of would have had to separate themselves a little bit. And like, I think he's a great guy. And like, I was just upset that we didn't get more time to sort of like see a new side to him outside of just like couple scenes with Larsa on Miami. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It is, it is interesting. And their relationship is so hard for me to figure out. Like, I mean, they really do seem obviously equally obsessed with each other. And also just the commitment to decide that you want to be a reality show couple. That's the thing I keep going over is that there must have been a conversation where they're like, we are so all in in this relationship that we are going to take our relationship and make it for public consumption. And obviously the blueprint is Heidi and Spencer. But that's my thought of like, and also just the thinking of Michael Jordan at the end of the day of like, it's already bad that you're with Larza Pippen my you know like but now you're actually going to be on multiple tv shows podcasts and that's the thing of you know and i also like that marcus was like listen it's uh they must have saw me as a the biggest threat here and i like that he was kind of tickled by that (laughs) yeah Uh, but you're right i would i would love to know marcus a little bit more definitely all right so excited for the traders do you have anybody that you have your eye on that like isn't as obvious that you're kind of low-key impressed by uh you know gosh low-key impressed by I don't know. Like I MJ, genuinely I like, uh, yeah, MJ was somebody that I thought might have been like, like Reza last season out, yeah. out immediately. But I, I like, and, and also if you if you think about MJ or at, had conversations with her or watched her on the show, you're like, okay, that actually does fit. I'm more curious about watching more episodes to see how CT steps up, yeah, or to see how totally. those other characters, or really what makes Parvati so amazing. I want to see that more in play. Her and Sandra, that that survivor mm-hmm. relationship, because I have a feeling Sandra is going to try to get Parvati out pretty quickly. So yeah, I'm just curious how it all shakes out. And I like that. I don't know. I, I really yeah, don't know. Me too. Me too. Okay. So let's swing over to Beverly Hills. We got a really interesting, you know, the season has, is. Wow. Did you some... say interesting? Because I don't think that describes these shows at all for Beverly Hills. Are you, are you talking about a soft <laughs> esophaguses? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> you know, this season of Beverly Hills was supposed to be kind of about Kyle and Mauricio. And it, and it really hasn't been about that in a lot of ways. Like we, we've gotten moments where it's kind of in the spotlight, but Mauricio and Kyle went to the homeless, not toothless gala together on this episode. And the part that I found interesting was the car ride when we're seeing like this relationship, which, which to so many people was like the picture perfect kind of like on a pedestal dream relationship for so many people for over a decade. And in that car ride, it just felt like a different, like we were looking at a different relationship. It was completely flipped on its head. They didn't know what to say to each other. It was like a weird, awkward vibe. What's your latest on Mauricio and Kyle and what we've seen? Because it's it makes me feel like sad. It's weird. Yeah, no, there's definitely a sadness to it. And that car ride, you're right, is exactly, it's like an ice storm. It's like you can feel the cold, like it's freezing in there. And Kyle is so checked out. Mm -hmm. You can just tell, like, because he was like, hey, Love Bean, where are we going? This is crazy tonight. What's what's going on, Love Bean? You know, like, and she's just like talking to somebody she doesn't want to be talking to. And we can pick up on that because we've seen them over 13 seasons. And if you compare that, and I'm not making any assumptions, but if you compare her excitement around Morgan Wade to how she is... Mauricio. And also, you know, listen, they've given us context. We know why Kyle is where she's at right now with the loss of her friend, Kathy Hilton of it all, all of this stuff. It's We see all the reasoning. And I think it's really interesting because Kyle also is a real hot potato in terms of trying to get the storyline off her, even though the storyline is about her. So we get then these storylines about esophaguses and mm-hmm. Crystal trying to step up to Anna Marie. And when the storyline that we all want to see is let's zoom in on this like what is going on here because we all see it other people are starting to pick up on it and i think that's the really fascinating sad thing which reality television can do so well is when we're so invested in these characters over multiple multiple seasons we know we just want to stop toying stop pussyfooting around and there's something with kyle being on the show for so long you know, it's like she knew they were having issues going into this season. She's been on record saying that she didn't know how to do it. She doesn't have a good poker face, she says. And we see that we can see her being uncomfortable about a camera on them all of a sudden. And that's the stuff I want to zoom in on, because mm-hmm. to me, that's like that's real. That's like yeah. we can sense as an audience when it's real, real. And totally. it, like you said, you get sad. You get like it kind of gives you goosebumps. It's a really weird season. It's disjointed in so many ways mm-hmm. because Whereas Salt Lake City has this mystery through line, Kyle and Mauricio, like you said, this should be the through line, but we keep getting like all these jagged, like course correcting things that we're trying to, they're trying to focus on instead of what we know we should focus on. Totally. And it's, it's a change also for Beverly Hills because it's been such a one issue show every season, you know, for the past like four or five years, it's like, this is what the season is about. And this is what pretty much every episode is going to tie back to, but you're right. This season, it's like, 
Kyle doesn't want it to be all about her because we, at least at the beginning, you kind of sense that you, you there was this chance of saving it. I don't really feel like there's a chance to save it. It, it just feels like there it's too far gone or it's kind of just dark vibes in their marriage right now. But she's pushing the spotlight off herself. And, you know, I don't I just don't know where it's going. They, they picked cameras back up, at you know, at the end of filming when the, when the news came out. So I'm like, what more is there for us to see? Because it feels like it's pretty stagnant. Um, I don't know well, if it's... we if we were to see real conversations admitting what was truly going right. on, because my you know, and I think Kyle actually I was at this variety women in reality television dinner. Oh, awesome. where Kyle spoke and Kate Arthur, the brilliant Kate Arthur was doing this interview and she came out with like, I knew going like I, I knew going into the season that we were not in a good place. So she knew going in. Mm -hmm. My theory is that this was already separated by the time filming was started. And that's why Mauricio is always away. That's why he isn't there to support. And I feel like it's that thing of feeling out how we work without each other. And unfortunately, people don't realize this isn't 24 hour a day filming. Like there are days, weeks in between filming where they're probably trying to figure out their real lives. And then Kyle on top of of that being a producing brain at this point is trying to figure out, well, I want to share, but I don't want to share everything. I don't want to share. And it's trying to like edit this thing in her mind to protect mm -hmm. her kids, to protect all of these things. And I think sometimes that's what the audience will get frustrated with because sure. we feel like we're a part of her family at this point and we need to know. And that's a silly way to look at it, but that's how this parasocial relationship works with reality yeah. television. And she has to understand that better than anybody. You know, it's just, this is this is her first time really, I mean, I guess she's had the spotlight on it in a, her intense way in terms of her sisters, but it's the first time that like her marriage is really the, there's a yeah. chance it's not going to survive. And it, there, it's there's there's a lot to say about it. And there's a lot to say about, a lot of people like to speculate about her other friendships well, and Gibson, things so it's sort well, of that's like the thing. Kyle knows at this point like I know she's frustrated potentially about Morgan Wade coverage but at the same time you've courted it at the same time so totally. that's the confusing thing it's of a push like, and pull well don't you understand the audience is going to think this if the music video that you did the song lyrics that you did the giddiness that you did traveling like together all, yes exactly yes, like all, but by the way like you're putting all of these things out for speculation mm -hmm. so that that push pull that she gives the audience and then to be frustrated i i truly wonder is she truly frustrated is this like it almost makes me think of like andy kaufman in a sense is this performance art like how far ahead are you going in your theory of our consumption of your relationships how thought out is this and i don't know that's the part that right. i'm really curious about and i that's because i don't want to ever offend kyle but at the same time no. i'm like yo you have to realize we would think this way we would start to question these things right and it's one of those things where it's like maybe it's just being a reality star is so intrinsic into her dna at this point that it's like yes most most reality stars can't help themselves in terms of putting themselves out there wanting the attention, wanting the press coverage, wanting XYZ, that just kind of comes with the territory. It's kind of the personality type, I think, that works best on these shows. And she's been around it for 13 years now. So, you know, she, again, she knows the game. So I'm just so curious, like, sort of what she's really going for and what the end post is. I don't know. But then but then we get storylines then, like, you know, our fourth or fifth episode with esophagus issues where oh it's like, God. it almost makes you look I back cannot. and go, you know, Lucy, Lucy Applejuice wasn't that bad of a season. You're <laughs> it like was not, like, right, exactly. I, I long for the days of fighting over dogs oh and radar online when I'm like, how is this? Like, and also Anne-Marie Wiley, I mean, at this point, I think we can say a solidified flop in a lot of ways yes. because it seems and like always. bad improvisation um, where all these ladies are looking for that storyline. So once we get on the esophagus, they're all like, Ooh, that's something, that's something. And I almost feel like, did the producers lead them in the wrong direction thinking that this was interesting? Because every time it gets brought up now and you're leaving Anne-Marie Wiley hanging out to dry where I oh think she thinks she's really doing something. You're right. During filming, you know that she thought that it was, she oh, was like, fire. all right, I'm on fire. I've, I've got my fucking storyline. I'm I'm in it. Blah blah blah. I'm going after Crystal and Sutton. Like it's happening. Yeah. Let's fucking go. And it's completely the opposite. It's one of the worst storylines we've had in a very long time. And my only thing that I like about it is that it got Crystal activated in a real way for the first time in a while. That's the only thing that I like about it. Well, and what did you think about uh, Crystal calling her uh, saying bitch, saying like, you know, you're such a bitch. And what did you think of that? Because we finally got Crystal to really get activated in yeah. the Lindsay Hubbard way. But what did you think of that moment? I, you know what? I liked it because I thought that like, you know, I actually really like Crystal. I think she's like a really amazing person, but I think on the show, she 
we see a really buttoned up version of herself and for her to like let that fly kind of in the moment maybe she had a cocktail or two like I found that refreshing because it's a it's a slight crack in the like hyper control that I think that we get from her a lot, which I understand, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a mistake. People, these women call each other bitches all the time, but it's like, it's not something, I don't think it's something she, we would have seen her do even. Yeah. It's shocking coming from ago. Crystal. She's yeah. always so neutral where you'll have like neutral, right. great, neutral, bad, and she's neutral, neutral. And I always call her a reliable narrator where I'm yes. like, if it comes from Crystal, I can usually trust it. And that's what's exciting because she's also the voice of the audience in some ways. So Anna Marie comes off, whether she knows it or not, there's a bully element to her. And so when she thinks she's like, wow, I'm really coming down on this esophagus, I think even the audience was starting to be like, yo, B-I-T-C-H, what's up? And so mm -hmm. for Crystal to do that, I think it really shows like, listen, this isn't working. It's going too far. And you need somebody like Crystal to have that moment. And then it kind of activates us, obviously, into the next episode when they're in Spain, where this yes. fight continues. So I'm like, okay, so even the esophagus, maybe we can make some some good out of this. It can lead have to some something. Good interaction. Yes, yeah, exactly. totally. Yeah. It sort of opened up the crack in that relationship that we were always going to get maybe. And like, because they don't seem like people that would necessarily mesh and you know it's it's really interesting to me that that Amber, Anna Marie she, she accuses Crystal of saying you're using me to be relevant she did the exact same thing to Dr. Nicole in an interview with Paige Sick like two weeks ago when Dr. Nicole released that video responding to the whole esophagus thing and I'm like again she thinks that she's doing something that's really sort of fresh and new and I'm just sort of like you're rehashing the same insult you know and and you're yeah. you're in your first season halfway through your first season so i, mean, I don't know be, if she has and it. also to be proud of your husband calling you an 8.5 in mm, every category that was tough. to lean into that is so and by the way that's the stuff that i find fascinating about her of like well what's that all about that you're actually being like gaslit every day of your life into an 8.5 area that Eek. i think is fascinating but she's so confident in everything that she does that's the stuff you kind of want to zoom in on and I don't think we'll get there and I I truly think you know I used to think and I still do to a degree that anybody that gets hired on a housewife show should be there for two seasons because we never get the full range of who they are until after that second season but with Anne Marie I think I would be willing to make an exception and just get her out of there sure yeah I'm with you she's kind of giving me like Diana Jenkins treatment one and done don't need you. You're not, you're not affecting the show in a big way. Let's, let's give your spot. Well, you think about else. Monica Garcia, you know, you had this brilliant comment of, uh, I think you were the one that uh, originally said Monica Garcia, potentially the most successful one and done yes, housewife. Most impactful one and done housewife. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's, and if you compare, I, I talked about this on the show, if you compare Monica and Anne-Marie, you know, both potential one season housewives, man, Monica going out in a blaze of glory that we'll talk about her for decades to come. Yeah. Anne-Marie is just so like, this is not the way to do it. This is not the way to go. And by the way, it's reality. So you're you're throwing your hat into the ring and you really don't have guidelines or a way to go, but this just isn't working. Yeah. And it's interesting because she had Kyle as her friend that brought her in, but I think that Kyle was kind of maybe just too wrapped up in her own stuff to kind of provide her that bridge that she maybe needed. I don't know. I just don't think she was ever going to Well, these work, are such but... tertiary relationships where they're like so I know. threaded, like they're just no, like a I know, thin but... thread of a relationship, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. All right. Let's switch gears to Salt Lake. We had the part two of the reunion this week. The finale was such a high. It was such a perfect moment that we got out of this show. And the reunion so far to me has been good, but it's just so hard to live up to that standard. And it, the finale was so like produced and we had all these moments and now it just feels like a lot of screaming. And I have a high tolerance for that, obviously where Housewives stands, but there's something about it that's not fully hitting for me yet. And maybe it's because we haven't gotten to reality Von Tees, but how are you feeling about the reunion two parts in? Well, I mean, you said it exactly. We end on this high note of receipts, proof, timeline, all of this stuff, you know, you know, the the phrasing that captured uh, the hearts and souls of a nation. Uh. And then we go in and we let the air out of the bag. You know, we're all pumped up. We're primed. We're like, you know, enraged. We're all of this stuff. And then you kind of like let that air out. And that's why I was like, almost like, man, if they were going to wait for the third episode to do the reality Von T stuff, air back to back nights. Like, let's get it all out there because I think we are then on the edge of our seats anticipating the information that is yet to come. So if you had the reality Von T stuff, not a part of this so far, great reunion. If you looked, okay, totally. we got fights between uh, Lisa 
and you know, like all of these different things, you know, you have Mary coming out, but at the same time, we're all just thinking about reality Bontees, even Heather pulling out audio clips and obviously Lisa Barlow going, pull out the audio, Heather, do it. <laughs> like, so obviously Lisa <laughs> knows every piece of audio that uh, Heather has. So they've yes. met before. And by the way, those are the things that I feel like robbed from the reality show audience of like, show us those meetings, show us yes. the planning meetings. Show us show the backstage us in the glam room. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like, when, I mean, when we those talk about that. Things. And also Andy has a really tough job of then having to explain more about Tanisha, Monica's mm. ex-best friend that works for Heather that gave the audio. Like the other thing that's brilliant about the Bravio audience is that, you know, we're so far ahead of this reunion in terms of all of our receipts, proof and timeline that that's the thing. Like I, 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 I begged Bravo in my first recap of this was do a fourth episode of all the crap that's happened in the last month since you filmed this reunion, because there has been so much just so we're not like at a loss you know, of where we're at and what's going to happen. And are we going to vote Monica off the island at the end of the third part of the reunion? So there's so many unanswered questions, but I think it's like consistently edging us as an audience where we're like, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. And yes. we just want to get there. Like, let's go. I know. I know. And it's, it, it is a hard job because it, you know, I interviewed Alexia two days ago from Miami and they were filming the reunion today as we record this. And she was talking about like, you know, she gets excited for the reunions, but there's a lot of, it's not just fighting your own fight. It's also like, you have to kind of do the work to fill in the audience that doesn't pay as much attention to like the social media stuff. And they just, they just kind of watch the shows, you know? So like, and on this show, it's like, that is a really tough job to be filling the viewer in on all these receipts, proof, timelines, and screenshots. Well, like it's a, yeah, you're it's right, a lot. And, and Gibson, that's what I always think about. Like, I've always pitched this idea and like, you know, like you, I would like you, Dylan, Sarah, all these people, like there needs to be Bravo action news one time a week totally. where we catch everybody up like a best week ever, where we have commenters of like this happened in social media between Alexia and Marisol. And then you go to Gibson for a comment. You go like, cause I think there is something to be said of, even though I have this delusion that everybody is so plugged in, the reality of that situation is that they're not. And we do need to catch up the audience at a certain point of like, this is moving so fast. And Bravo is starting to do a really good job of capturing that wave. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like we have so much further to go because yeah. we don't want social media to surpass the actual content. No, exactly. Exactly. And it's 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 a, it's a incredibly tough balance. They're doing a better job at it. It's just like, it's so hard. Yeah. There's so much. Especially with this show, which is so just like, it's such like a postmodern housewife of just like, well, it's like on steroids, you know? It I is. mean, and my, and my thing at the end of the day, at the end of the day too, is that I think right after that third episode, we're going to get that announcement that Monica will not come back to the show or possibly she will. But my thought is that she probably, they're waiting for that third episode to release. And then we'll get that statement afterwards because they can't make it now because that also dissipates the tension and the excitement. But that's the thing. It's like, I just want this third part to air. So not only we can get on with our lives, but we can just kind of fill in the blanks of this story. A hundred percent. And I think that her, I'm on the same page of, I don't think Monica's coming back, but I think that, you know, she has done herself no favors with the energy she's brought into this reunion. I think that she, she could have come in you know, she's not, this is not her personality, but she could have come in a little bit more tail between her legs, a little bit more demure, a little bit more apologetic, owning a little bit more of it. And maybe we'll see that in part three, but so far it's just like a little bit too combative and a little bit too fiery oh. for them to want to give her a chance and to like meet her exactly, even exactly. close to halfway. I was, I, I do these line by line recaps, like they're like plays. And my thing was <laughs> every line with Monica will usually be like, bitch, you didn't know this. And I'm like, Monica, if you cut out that bitch, your line here actually makes sense and it gives us context. But the bitch throws mm -hmm. everybody on that stage off. It throws the audience off. And I, I, I'm i not trying to be an old buddy-duddy, even though I am. No, but, but... that thing of presenting the information, you have to play the game a little bit. And when yeah. her and Lisa get into that back and forth screaming, like, you know, deaf comedy jam, like argument where they're just hurling curse words, which is so exciting to hear on Peacock. It's like the same <laughs> yes. note again and again, where it doesn't do herself any favors. I'm still of the mind. And I think we're in disagreement here is that, listen, none of those ladies on that stage, nor housewives in general, they're nobody's above reproach. They've all no. done really bad things. This is actually weirdly bad in a new different way, but nobody on there is angels. And I also think it would be interesting to see her back just to watch her face more of that music, to see where those cards lay. And like the, the reunion has done a good job, just like with Kyle, where we're presenting the context of her mom, obviously, her dad leaving, her marriage, her assault, 
all of these things kind of lead up to how she speaks and why she speaks the way she does, why she is so combative, and mm -hmm. then why she probably eventually chose to go the wrong route and to try to take down somebody that she felt was getting more than her. And then, right. I don't know, that part, I think- No, that's very valid. That's very valid. It's like, I'm, I would love to see what happens next in this whole situation. I really would. I'm just worried about like the, not the precedent, just sort of like the slippery slope that it would represent in bringing her back in terms of like a, a fan page made it onto the show, <laughs> lost, lost, the lost the trust of all of her castmates. <laughs> and I think that if production decides to bring Monica back, I wonder if the other women lose a little bit of trust in production. In some, I don't know. That's that's well, total you, speculation. Well, you talked to Housewives as well. Is that like yes. they already are? Sometimes they're you know, it's not like everybody thinks they're already confused if producers even like them, if they're right. doing a good job. So they're already in this insecure space. So that's. But I still am wondering what the reality of Auntie's account. Like they're like, we've stayed up nights worrying about this account, <laughs> and I just I remember that account with the Jen Shaw stuff. But I'm still a little confused and murky. And even last night when what Heather's they said about the other women, yeah, yeah. when yeah, Heather's yeah. playing that clip about supposedly Mary, it sounds like to me monica is talking about this person said something about mary and i want to dm mary that they said this and that's why i was like kind of pleading with the audience of like thinking about context you can cherry pick clips and really make anybody look very right. bad and the thing with monica the other sorry to over talk here gibson no I'm no no, no, I, no I, I'm, I want this. i you know the the way she's cursing it takes away from that argument because there's a good chance if she had chilled out she could almost become a martyr in a sense because you could make the argument that all of these ladies are now doing exactly what these six people in reality bontes did plotting against somebody else's downfall. And mm. if they let Heather hang herself a little bit more, you would see that I think Heather knew a little bit earlier than she actually said. She was in uh, possession of this audio a little bit earlier than she, you could make the argument that Heather got obsessed at one point and Heather, by the way, Heather and Whitney, huge fans of Housewives before Salt Lake City. They know how this game works. Heather, weirdly enough, is the reliable narrator on this show, like Crystal. It's just that Heather actually kind of vacillates between really liking being popular and then also realizing that it might not be everything that she had always wanted it to be. And that's fascinating. You just spit out a lot of really good theories and a lot of really good... Sorry, I'm second. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm... I agree about Heather. I think that Heather is the voice of the audience, but I think that Heather's kind of Achilles heel is wanting, is wanting to be liked and worrying about yep. that too much. And that's not something that I don't, I actually don't think Crystal thinks about that very often for herself. I don't think she cares. And I think that that is what separates them. And I think that that's kind of what got in Heather's way at so many times in the past, like with Jen and stuff and worrying about how it all came across. And I think that that's why this season has been such a redemption season for her in my eyes in terms of like, that black eye stuff, people were fed the fuck up with that. Like they were over it with Heather and that they were so done her allegiance to Jen. And then she, so she came into the season at a low and she kind of, I think it's impressive how she built up to this moment. And if she knew earlier, I, I could, I could absolutely see that, but I'm still very happy with her, the way that she handled this and released this information showing that she is like stepping into her power, recognizing that she has this elevated position on the show. I, I, at least she's sort of reading that you're right. I mean, but... She she rules Salt Lake. She is, yes. you know, next season, she will be the number one housewife in Salt Lake city. I totally agree. And it's, it's interesting. Cause then it's like, I compare the core four of Salt Lake who are through four seasons with the, where the core four on Potomac have gotten us, which is to a not great season. It's sort of like how long I'm just so curious how these two sort of um, runs of the core four OGs sort of, how they compare to one another at the end of the day, because they're only halfway to where Potomac got and Potomac got through eight seasons with four OGs. I think it's incredibly impressive, but like how long can the Salt Lake city women keep this up of like juggling the new dynamics and keeping it yeah. fresh and interesting and, and, and whatever. Cause the Potomac did, women did it for a very long time. And I think this is the first time that it's sort of not working for them, but the Salt Lake women, maybe they have it in them. And in what reality, and you can pull Vanderpump rules into this, is if we're looking at this as actual real life, 
some people just aren't meant to be friends at a certain point. Like, right. guess what? When you're a bartender and a bar back, you're not meant to be friends for the rest of your lives. It's usually <laughs> yeah. those people you had yeah. a good time with, some it's crazy a bonding times. moment, yeah. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, Candace is not going to ever get over, like, I mean, like, the it's it's really wild and, and, and kind of real, but at the same time disappointing because you want them to get back to those I good know. times where they work together as the Avengers. And it is so... And and more than that, it just, you know, the audience is now being fed so much good TV that we yes. can tell almost immediately when it's not, you're not feeling it. And I'm always of the, like, you never, no show left behind. You never give up on a show. You watch I totally show, agree. I will never give up. Yeah. That's never going to be an issue for, for me. And I hope not for other people, but we do know when there's better seasons and not with Heather though, back to her last night, she talked about her Tuesday night. She talked about, you know, the mom, she knew going on to this show, it would have the relationship with her mom continue to be very like here and there. And that's the thing with Heather. That's what I always think of. Like, is it, has it been worth it? Has this dream of choosing mm. the book and talking about the religion and TV, has it been worth losing some of those relationships, some of those familial relationships? Is it all it's cracked up to be? It's all, is it all you dreamed it to be? Cause I read her book and, you know, you know, she, you know, she says Andy Cohen's her God at one point. Wow. And that's the thing wow. I always want to know. Has it been worth it at the end of the day? It's mm. a really good question. Bad Mormon, too. We, she has to answer that question. Uh, electric Boogaloo. You know? Yeah, let's go. I there mean, you know, go. it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, <laughs> By the exactly. way, you, you would do a great interview with Heather. Have you gotten you got to get Heather on? I I did her at my old on my old show, I think for last season, maybe. She's a good interview. Yeah, she's a really good interview, but I haven't read her book. So maybe I should read the book first. I feel like that's one of her first questions for people these days is if you read read her book. Um, <laughs> but I, I love Heather. I'm really happy that she kind of has gotten to a place where she feels really powerful and is sort of like, you know, lifted up by that. So we talked about Monica and, you know, whether or not she could work coming back to the show, whether or not it will happen. And I, I said that I want to talk about this. You posted that Real Housewives franchises should be able to trade housewives to different franchises like sports teams do. Yeah. Was Monica in mind when you tweeted that? Did you have somebody in mind when you tweeted that? Well, what was no, the I, so like the catalyst I, there? I've had like like I've been doing this show for four years. This like idea was on my second episode. I've always thought I've not been a big sports person, but what I find fascinating right. about sports is that element of being able to trade people, being able to think of it as teams. And sometimes when you think of something like Potomac, well, like, hey, maybe this is a time where we actually really just do a crazy experiment because you think about other, like you think about OC with like Tamara, like nobody seems to really be able to like punch Tamara's clock in the sense of like really pin her down and go, hey, you exhibit the same behavior in every season, yet nobody really is able to call you out on it. Okay, well, why don't we take uh, you know, why don't we take Giselle or why don't we take somebody from and put him over an OC as a foil to this person mm. if we're not getting that casting? It's an impossible idea, but it's something that's so exciting to think about. Because, I know. Because, you, you know, if they're going to do Ultimate Girls Trip, that's fine, but you're like sending them off to a different location. Let's see how they do. Like, let's see if we can get Atlanta. Like, you know, we send Erica Jane to Atlanta. Like, is she going to do Kim Zolciak? Is she going to get in there? Or is she going to be completely stomped and go, girl, what are you even doing? Because I think sometimes they get in a rut being in their own iteration location. Totally. I agree. You know? And it's, it's almost like you want Erica to be able to do a three episode arc on Atlanta, or you want, you know, you yes, want exactly. Candace to do a three episode arc on OC and to see what she can what she can twist up you know it's a great idea it really is i mean it would be so hard in like it obviously it's too hard to do and they're already just trying to get these shows made but man i, know. The, I was One so happy dream. when they started doing that like we're all under the same umbrella where winter house existed and girls mm -hmm. trip because you know it's such good uh ip such good intellectual property is that don't screw up the shared universe you know the bravo cinematic universe is just as valid as the marvel one yeah so okay let's say Next season of Salt Lake, Monica's not coming back, but we still want her on our TVs. Where do you place yeah. her? You know, I, I got to tell you, Monica, okay, so to Monica, I think, like, OC did actually pretty good last season, but I think it's got so much further to go. I think Monica actually would be a really interesting person to put in with those mm. OC ladies and somebody that would actually kind of fight in a different way. Now, obviously, you could put her into Atlanta and see if she could hold her own with some of those ladies, uh, you know, some people that almost kind of fight a little bit more like her. But right. I would actually, I don't know, for some reason, I'm really hoping, 
Like I felt like OC had a really solid foundation from which to launch again last season, but I, it too. needs to go somewhere. And I'm worried, you know, it's, it's the same people. We need something to come in and shake something up. And maybe Monica would be good over there. Who do you, what do you think? I could see that because I Noella sort of had that, that sort of <laughs> quality that was a little bit more reckless in her words and like just kind of said whatever, but she didn't quite work there, but maybe Monica could, hang in a different way i think because she has the she has the x factor that i don't think noella ever had yeah would monica be have a scene crying by a river like noella scream ah! <laughs> no. where could monica work i mean i think monica could work on honestly most of them i mean <laughs> to honestly, be honest oh also not, throw her in rules totally put her yeah totally put her in the summer house you know like oh my god yeah i could see her in jer i could see her you know sparring Ooh. with margaret joseph in jersey i could see her sparring with kenya and atlanta i could see her going with at it with candace she has a lot of potential so well it's maybe also it's a great way to break table. up i don't know you just brought up Jersey. I forgot like to break up those old fights that we see season after yes. season. Like let's send Melissa or Teresa somewhere else. Like, obviously we're not going to get anywhere with this relationship ever. And for us to think otherwise, <laughs> we're completely idiotic. So let's get them off and get them somewhere where they can succeed, you know, solo. Totally. Well, Ryan, we're, we're blessed by the Bravo gods right now. It's, it's quite, it's quite a time to be doing what we do, but I really appreciate you taking the time. And oh my God, schedule. I was so excited for you to ask. And wait, I just thought Bravo needs to do an hour where it's just called nap time. And they just air a black screen that we can sleep Listen. during. Like, we, we sleep we us, sleep to the soup yes. we sleep to the soothing sounds of heather's monologues on the show like, <laughs> give us a permission to sleep like nap time with bravo would be a great show i think it would be highly listen yeah. i'd love it tell everyone where they can listen to your podcast follow you all the things yeah no uh so bad it's good with ryan bailey we just went moved over to betches like three months ago they're awesome uh, you can follow So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. We got a YouTube channel. You can find all this stuff on the Instagram, but there, there is so much content. So just pick and choose what you like. We had Mark Paul Gosseler on this week and Shanola Hampton from the NBC show Found, which I dug. We have uh, Francesca Farrago coming up soon, the actor Brian Greenberg. We got uh, we had Toya and Dr. Simone from Married to Medicine. So it's Great really, guess. it's just really a blend of guests, but there's also just really silly recaps if you want to have a chuckle uh just check in with what you like and see if you like it but if not just listen to any listen to any podcast and also make sure you hit the five star button on gibson's podcast and rate and review this uh because that is so important especially for a new podcast people uh it's just a real click hit with your thumb and that's all you have to do but we want more good podcasts like this it helps the overall industry and it helps everything that we love oh you're the best ryan do it do my plugs for me i love it Thank no, you so it's important. much. Yeah. Yeah. You're no, you're you're really the best. And um, we'll talk again soon. There's there'll be more to talk about in, in tomorrow. Anytime, so. anytime, man. <laughs> Whenever yeah. you want right. to come back on, let me know. I'm down. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, dude. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes. And subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And keep up with all things Gabbing with Gabe at Gabbing with Gabe on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gabe is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth, and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest booking, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support, and see you next time.